0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. This is Stephanie Postals. I'm joined by Albert Chow. Albert, howdy.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, listen, I can't wait to talk about some of the things I actually enjoy watching because I, that's what I want. I want the world to make more things I like. That's a fact.
0: Yep, yep. So for anyone who's like, what is Albert talking about? <laughs> Go and check out yesterday's episode where we were talking about Super Bowl marketing tactics. Like, is this even a channel that is worth $7 million for a 30 second slot? Um, so yeah, go check that out today. We're gonna be talking about what we're betting on what we're watching. I mean, we get to look at the best and the best when it comes to marketing every single day. We're constantly talking to CMOs at really innovative companies. And I mean, Hey, we're a media company. So we are also betting all the time on different channels strategies. So I want to start there, Albert of like, what are you watching right now? Who do you think is interesting in this space when it comes to yeah, marketing in general.
1: So I named a couple companies in the last episode uh, just to catch everyone up. Red Bull, Yeti and Patagonia. Uh, I think mm-hmm. all three and I'll explain why all three of these companies are doing a very good job. In my opinion, they're doing a very good job because they are monetizing or telling the stories of what the products are used for. You see, what I'm saying like they're not creating content about this drink. They're not creating content about this Tumblr. They're not creating content about uh, the jacket. They're creating content about rock climbing. They're creating content about surfing. They're creating content about hunting. And these are the things that like hobbyists, I would say, like hobbyists, they have tremendous passion for. And so hobbyists by default want to understand the stories of the people behind it um, and in the the tactics and the skills that people use. And I think that's why you're also seeing the rise of influencer culture, um, because Mm -hmm. especially in I'm going to use it in. um, the things I like, right? So, like, for the influencers or so-called influencers I follow, like, fit some of the fitness people, like, so for anyone who's not familiar, I follow uh, the Primal Swolger. He's, like, a kettlebell master because <laughs> I have a kettlebell and I kettlebell a lot. But he's not even the best example. Kyla Itzines is probably the best example. She sold her brand for over $200 million yep. uh, doing specifically, like, workouts to look a certain way. She's, like, a more feminine look. Like, that's kind of, like, her... Yeah. Her
0: uh, I used to follow her. Yeah. Kayla, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. She sold her. She sold yeah. her brand for over two hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. And I think this new rise of people that actually do the thing is the number one thing to bet on. Uh, because most mm-hmm. products that we have are for a specific purpose, and so sponsoring, featuring, continuously amplifying what people are doing with it is good. Uh, another one, a person I follow is Cam Haynes. and I don't even bow hunt. Uh Cam Haynes is a bow hunter and ultra marathoner. And his claim to fame is he runs he runs a mile uh, excuse me, a marathon a day.
0: Mm. Oh,
1: <laughs> okay. Cam Haynes.
0: Better him than a me. marathon a day.
1: <laughs> and he got picked up by Under Armour and a lot of big companies, but eventually he he kind of like broke away and he's like, I'm gonna do my own thing. And he's become his mm-hmm. own brand because he embodies the activity. So anyone tied to the activity is automatically going to get a lot of carry through. I think that is going to be what you'll see more of in the future, because at the end of the day, football is a sport and the reality is there's a lot of, we were, cause we we're, this all started from the Super Bowl things. Like there's a lot of products that advertise for fo- that are not related to sports at all. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And they're, yeah. or they're, you know, the, So whether you're if you're food and beverage, I think that ties very nicely to football, but so many other things that just don't fit. And so I Mm -hmm. think that's where more companies have to start recognizing like they they got to piggyback to the content of the thing that whatever their customers are doing with their product or services and tell that story. And I think so. That's just some of the brands and people I've named that I think are doing a really good job. CrossFit's another company that's exceptionally good at marketing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. I also think if you plan a rally, like if you think about the Super Bowl, like someone like me, mm, I'm really just there to probably watch Rihanna, like let's be <laughs> honest. And so how do you put the right commercials on each side of the halftime show, which a lot of people are probably not a lot, maybe like, I don't know, 40% of the people coming might just be there to watch that halftime show. Yeah. And so how do you pad that with commercials that go towards someone like me? And then the outside is with just the football lovers, yeah. you know? So it's like... Figuring out how to connect with people in the right timing, too, is a big thing because I'm like, I don't really I'm definitely not watching the game from like minute one uh, all the way to the halftime. It's like I might pop in and out, but I'm not just staring at the screen because I'm not that much lover. Like I'm not a huge lover of football to begin with. Yeah. So I don't care about every play. So,
1: there, you know, like when we th- I think about like the uh, tech company that invested a lot was TurboTax, but that's, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Everybody does taxes. Yeah, wide appeal. That's got wide appeal. But last year, you know, we of course talked about it, our former title sponsor, they had a big ad. It's like, does it, that really doesn't feel like a, this audience isn't interested in that at all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that, or maybe they are, but probably not in that moment. I don't think in that moment they wanted to hear anything about CRM. (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah. So then that's when I mean, I liked earlier you talked about like influencers. That to me is like, you don't always have to become an influencer, but finding the people who are doing the thing. And that could be in anything. It could be with, you know, a consumer facing company. It could be with a B2B tech product where they're like in the weeds, solving the problem, doing the thing. But like finding these and not always macro influencers, like micro influencers who have that Kevin Kelly, what thousand true fans or whatever of like the people following them, waiting to see the next thing that they're doing with it. Like that's where I think, Yeah, the world is headed right now, like just finding the people that you resonate the most with who are authentic, or if you can't find those people, creating your own channel and making sure that it aligns with the right audience that could somehow buy your product, but isn't forcing it down their throat every single minute of whatever it is yeah and
1: I want to be very clear this delineation on influencers we're talking about because we're not talking about people that post you know duck face selfies just because they look good right? that
0: doesn't happen anymore Albert I think that one has out years ago <laughs> I don't know you're just bringing it back now you have to have that peace sign too
1: <laughs> <laughs> or you're in front of some Nashville wings and when I say yeah. wings I mean listen Pete Fellas!
0: Oh, you mean the the angel? Oh lanes. yeah,
1: yeah. You got like 10, oh, 20 yeah. photos. yeah, they of have that in Austin. Get out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have it in Austin too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what I'm talking about is people that are doing the thing. So like, I'll I'm going to name some people that are, in my opinion, really good content creators that I would not be surprised if they sign brand deals very soon. Uh, one is Susie v- Vidal. I believe she's what her her name? How you pronounce her name? She goes by. Um, no. She does. She calls her show Only pans. It's a cooking, oh it's cooking, right? And she constantly Jeez. makes, I mean, she makes sexual innuendo jokes about everything, but shes it's a cooking, like cooking person. She's also snowboards, okay. right? Like she has a ton of followers. I could see cooking, uh, let's say like, you know, like a Caraway or some of the other companies that have come on mm-hmm. and up next in commerce that are related to cooking, wanting to work with her. Yep. When we say influencers, mm-hmm. we're talking about people who do the thing. So if you're a hunter, If you're a snowboarder, if you're an art person, because there are some phenomenals, you know, phenomenal artists that do uh, content on social media. There's also people that just do, you know, whether it's photography, like basically whatever skill it is that you have, there's probably a business that ties well to that. I think that's what these businesses really want, which is they want to own the audience of the people that are most actively or most likely going to use a common product of yours. And so that's what we mean by influencers. So not like travel bloggers. I mean, I guess it does make sense if you're like a travel brand, but for the most part, I like to follow people that I think have like a outsized skill. Like they seem to have a skill that Mm -hmm. just are really good. By the way, there's this handle I follow called Men with Pot. And it's it's a cook
0: Okay, is this what kind of pot? It's cooking. Cannabis pot or like a cooking pot. Yeah, it's
1: cooking. Men with pot. And they do these like really outdoorsy videos. Most of their food is cooked in a cast iron skillet, I would say like, and it's typically Mm -hmm. over some type of open fire kind of deal. And every video they do makes like their food look so insanely fresh and like like organic. They give you the vibe, like this isn't just a steak. I like just killed the thing. You know what I mean? Like they, Mm -hmm. they, they, they overly make it seem fresh and organic. I found out that how they monetize their platform was they launched their own cookbook. And it's hard mm-hmm. to correlate reviews with sales. Um, but a lot of people say times a hundred times a hundred is actually what the sales are. So if you take the reviews, multiply it by a hundred, mm-hmm. there's their sales are probably closer to that because only one percent of people review things that they like. And men with pot cookbook, yep. it's doing great. <laughs> I can tell you that,
0: Yeah, what what was the number? What did you calculate? i right, I'm gonna pull it up right now. Four hundred fifty three reviews. Yeah, so
1: probably forty thousand. Hmm. Probably they've sold probably forty thousand copies at twenty two ninety nine.
0: That's pretty dang good.
1: <laughs> and you don't even know who they huh. are, so okay. it could be a team of people for all you know. But it's like because they they yep. in the in the videos yeah. they never show their face. But that's what I mean. Yep. Like
0: I mean, but the power of a curated audience, like finding your fans to be able to release that I mean that's why I think the power of media is or just having some kind of channel that you can tap into whether it's your own channel whether you're sponsoring a channel something that you can get a benefit from of reaching an audience in an authentic way to then where you can have something that's relevant like a cookbook to be able to like share with them I mean that's yeah that to me is like an ideal state for any company
1: yeah, and so, like, how does this translate, though, then, to business? Because, you know, I think cooking is easy to demonstrate. Let's say, let's talk about demonstration because we kept talking about the skill. Like, cooking is easy to demonstrate. Um, fixing things is relatively easy to demonstrate. Cars, like, uh, for those who know Doug DeMuro, he's a car review guy. He only uses mm. an iPhone to review cars. And then he started his own online auction place for car sales. Doug DeMuro... Yep. Okay. So for, there's a lot of people that say editing is actually how to win YouTube. And I think people are only looking at Mr. Beast because Doug DeMuro has the most basic editing you've ever seen. His videos are, I mean, every car millions upon millions upon millions of reviews, car companies are begging him to like, give him a good review. He won't do it. Uh, Cause he wants to stay authentic. You know what I mean? Like he'll, he won't plug your car for no reason. Um, and then he sells his like online car marketplace store, which like gets tons of traffic. And that's a big, you know, money maker for him. Um, his classic car collection is like 50 something cars now. Like the guy's doing great. You know what I mean? Like you look at Doug DeMuro, he looks mm-hmm. like a, you know, he looks like dad mode on 100 and, uh, he talks kind of funny. This is a Honda Civic <laughs> and he's just killing it. Oh
0: my gosh. I haven't even heard of this guy. See, the kind of content you consume and what I consume are so different. But he does look like a sweet, nice man when I'm looking at him.
1: (laughs) But you can see the amount of views he's got on his videos. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. So like, how about people that are hard to demonstrate? That's what I guess what I was
0: getting at. Yeah. I mean, okay. Yes, that's easy to demonstrate being able to go through a car thing. But then you also mentioned Mr. Beast. Like before we even get to like the hard to sell products, like you're always talking about Mr. Beast. And I feel like you look at him from the outside and you're like, how? How does this business model work? What's happening here? And so I'd love to hear maybe your thoughts on, because I know you look at him and his process and how much he's editing things and spending and whatnot. But how do you think about someone like that who has a avid fan base, but it's very high production, opposite from Doug DeMuro, who's just (laughs) his iPhone and himself and gets great views, I guess. Yeah.
1: So Mr. Beast I'm, by now, I'm assuming everyone knows who he is. He does do brand deals. By the way, we were talking about this before. Like, should someone spend seven million dollars on a commercial? Well, you can work with uh, Graham Steppen revealed that no one has worked with Mr. Beast on a deal for greater than four million, and he regularly gets a hundred million views. So, do the math, guys. You could get two for mm-hmm. one if you work with <laughs> with a good old Jim, yeah.
0: If you want that audience, if you
1: want Jimmy can Donaldson's you sell? audience. So
0: yeah, that's what depends. So Mr.
1: Beast came actually I learned about the more I've learned about him, the more I just respect him. I I don't watch any of his videos, um, because the like it's just not interesting to me. But I do respect his craft and everything I've learned about him. So uh Mr. Beast is famously overwhelmingly dedicated to YouTube. He's been on many different interviews, he spends almost all of his money in making new videos, and his production costs are through the roof. And what that does is it plays defense basically. You can't do what he does. So, you know, like back he by the way, he famously got famous for counting to one hundred thousand on video. Like
0: Yeah. <laughs> hearing about like this, I was like, what <laughs> space are we working in here? I do so not understand boring. this. <laughs> so
1: boring. But he basically has cracked the YouTube algorithm. He's figured out how many changes need to happen per second. It was revealed that yeah his average video takes seventeen hundred hours to edit. So if you're not generating the views and you're not generating the revenue he's generating, it's almost impossible to catch him. But he did a deal with Shopify to do to make some commercials with them. And I'm actually just surprised more people don't work with him. But it might be because it's kind of hard to figure out what it is that could fit his audience. Because his audience, I would mm-hmm. say, is more generalist. is probably skews younger. I think he himself is extremely smart for making his product um, – his own chocolate brand, his own burger brand, mm-hmm. which is like a wide appeal. Yeah, he's got. Oh, my gosh. oh, you don't know about Feastables?
0: I didn't know this. Oh, I ate one. Jeez. I
1: ate Feastables. It's pretty good.
0: Where do you even eat these at? Like, where's he selling them? Oh, they're these already at Target
1: and Walmart. They're they're already. It's already made it to big box. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. He's estimated I mean, once again. That's what happens when you have a whole audience. Beast like burger what you can do. is
1: already over 100 million a year in sales.
0: What's so special about Nothing. it? It doesn't it's look his. like, it looks like a McDonald's hamburger. Yeah.
1: It's sold at cloud kitchens. So it, he's basically hired all these kitchens that are willing to make the order. I, I don't think there's anything special about it, but, uh, interestingly, his chocolate feastables is, um, it's actually got relatively clean ingredients. It, uh, it, cause he's got Crohn's disease, so he really can't eat a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So feastables mm-hmm. is basically like organic chocolate. <laughs> it's only got four oh, ingredients, okay. organic chocolate. So he's going to yeah, kind of, I think, go in a out. new way, which is like, man, forget mm-hmm. you sponsors. I'm just going to pay myself.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I heard him in an interview saying he like, yeah, he wasn't that interested in doing a bunch of brand partnerships and things like that because it kind of, I mean, as anyone knows, it can influence what content you actually get to create Correct. and the restrictions. And that dude doesn't seem like he wants any, <laughs> which is how he built his audience by not having restrictions. So it makes sense that he's more going into a product-based thing. I mean- Wow. He has like a lot of reviews on his chocolates. It's like no,
1: no. Yeah. it's uh, I, I, I had some because uh, my son bought it. It's pretty good. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. it didn't really taste that different. I don't have a discerning palate audience. Listen, mm-hmm. you can put a hundred different chocolates in front of me. I'm going to think they all taste the same, but I didn't think it tasted bad. So there you go. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. I'll try it for myself. I don't know. I don't know if I trust your bar. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My bar's not good.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So mr beast he's a whole different thing we've got the other dude on youtube when you're talking about hard to sell products which is our bread and butter like thinking about how do you create content for hard to sell it could be software it could be intense hardware that you have to explain i mean to me the best channels i think are making authentic content like you said it's still around the people who are using your thing but I still think you need to make it fun. I think that's so what's missing in the market right now is the ability to be fun in things that are boring or things where you're like, I mean, it's like TurboTax, trying to be cool with taxes and trying to have a commercial that makes it a little bit more fun. You're like, okay, I have no brand love towards h and Block, TurboTax, you are funnier, maybe I'll go with you. Or if there's some reason for me to follow content that's actually interesting in that space. So that's where I still think brands can play. It's once again, media, it could be podcasting, it could be video series, it could be a whole documentary. But I think you have to make it have an element of fun and not just straight in the weeds. I'm going to sell you this thing really hard and tell you all the features like you have to give me a reason to come back.
1: No question about it. So like the things that people gravitate towards are going to be like suspense, suspense drama, so something suspenseful and dramatic. And typically, in order for that to happen, you need a villain. Uh, so like, could mm-hmm. it potentially be narrative podcast that or narrative stories that do it? I don't know. But like you definitely need some type of confrontation people also gravitate towards educational and then people talk like i would say like visually stunning like something that's visually stunning so most of our clients do not get the benefit of visually stunning i mean it's just not really a reality like watching Mm -hmm. someone type in their office is not visually stunning right so throw that out they don't have that option but i think what you like the way you said like making probably the drama and suspense portion of it could become really quite compelling is investing in like letting people understand the problem feeling Mm -hmm. the problem understanding how this gets solved i think it'll be pretty fascinating um yeah it's a it's a big question every brand because you know that's the other thing that you see a lot of brands is they kind of want to do something but they don't really Mm want to do it that much because they don't really want to invest that much and therefore is it the experiment is wrong are they wrong like they usually come up with something like oh it didn't work but it's like was it even set up to work? It's not clear.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were your? Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of brands launching things, and then you're like, "Well, what was that for?" Like, I mean, I see brands taking it too far, where you're like, "I actually lost the concept of who even sponsored this, built this. Like, what is the purpose here?" And then the ones on the other side who are just drilling down a CTA every single time they're making something. But like, where's that middle ground, which I think is like you know edutainment type of style thing, where it's like you get to watch. The thing and know where it's coming from and build brand love around that i actually think bringing back reality tv in a cool way like that's what we need so many people like reality tv but how do you bring it into your life in a way that also semi serves you and hey i'm like a big fan of like the bachelor style like trash tv but there's like so many opportunities that you could do with stuff like that but like people like that format they like the drama they like the real life following people around and could you do it in a way that also serves you educationally too. Like, remember the idea you had around like CIOs and CTOs and having them like be put in like tough situations and asking them, yeah, like a game show. And it's like, they're at the top of this mountain, they're hanging. And then you're like, tell me what your platform (laughs) is. Like, how are you building your network infrastructure? And like asking them hard questions while they're in like tricky situations. I thought that, I was like, that's so funny funny it'd be so great yeah yeah it was Probably like a
1: multiple so <laughs> okay. it was multiple challenges that would address like their ability to think about infrastructure connecting information uh and so on it was like a little bit of like an escape room style puzzle mm-hmm. solving i think that'd be interesting to see how people think i like your what you're saying by the way did you ever watch the prophet with marcus limonis
0: i did watch it i don't know why i didn't like i it. love that show yes <laughs> yeah see, that's why i'm like i think you and i like such different styles of content I don't know why I wasn't drawn towards that one as much, but I did watch it. Yeah. It so much. Marks Limones has, anything.
1: anyone listening, he's got a history of, let's just say, building companies. Like, that's kind of like what he's most known for. Um, and it was really great listening. I, I thought it was great, at least, listening to his points of view on the all these different small businesses. And then he, he what he does is he puts a check in. I mean, whether or not it's legit, I don't know. But I thought his points of view were often helpful. Uh, because he te- he definitely tended mm-hmm. to work with small businesses and I could relate very closely to the problems that these small businesses were going through whereas like Shark Tank is I think more future vision oriented you know what I mean so like a lot of times mm-hmm. like you know I don't have that idea so therefore a lot of the advice that they are giving I don't I wouldn't relate to it as well Um, I did like mm-hmm. by the way there's a lot of interviews now with like Cuban and some of the other Shark Tank people that have openly admitted that they're overwhelmingly down on their investment portfolio.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 I mean. They're
1: down. (laughs) But what they're really doing for is like, it's elevating their own personal brands because they're always on TV. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's why I'm like, I think that, I mean, there's a lot of uh, different companies I've been talking to who have these mini Shark Tank style pitches that they have with their investing firm. And I'm like, how do those perform for you? Because those companies don't really look that great. And they're like, it doesn't matter. It's more about the pitch and the excitement and letting our members get involved and the LPs get involved. It's like the hype around it, the performance doesn't matter. And so I think about that with Shark Tank too. It's like, did they actually perform that well? Maybe their portfolios aren't really doing well and like they weren't the best investments, but what else did it do for their larger brand and for that person who came on the show yeah. as well? Like it at least gave them a little bit of a spike and then you just have to have a good product to actually keep that retention.
1: Oh yeah. The- the shark tank effect is real for sure i uh, i work i actually got the fortune of working with uh, uh, two shark tank winners um one ruck pack which was the in like season mm-hmm. one it's like an energy shots and one was combat flip-flops um which mm-hmm. is a fl- exactly what you th- think of flip-flop brand and both of them they all agree shark tank does definitely boost your ratings. so they're like hey we want to be on the show but what Did not, it did not sustain. It wasn't like something you could hang your hat on for like, you know, two years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Basically, within 14 days of the airing, nobody cares. Because next week, guess what happens? Another Shark Tank comes out. Another seven products come out. So, you know, it it does go back to like, if you don't have a, if you don't have a favorite thing, um, people don't buy their second choice. Do you know what I mean? Like the flip-flop. You know, so if someone's, you know, were to ask me for recommendation, I'm only going to recommend my favorite thing. That's with anything. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend. Yeah, Steph, you should use this mechanic. Oh, how was he? He's okay. He fixed some (laughs) of my car. It's fine. The other half, not as good. A little bit late.
0: You should check it out.
1: (laughs) That's not how it works. I'll only recommend you. You got to talk to this person. This person did a great job. Like, it was amazing. So I think... Mm -hmm you know, bringing the conversation full circle when it comes to brands owning a channel. It's like the first thing you got to do is like, is it truly for my channel? Is it truly for this audience? Are these the stories they care about? And not worry so much about the size of the channel mm-hmm. to start, but it's like the story of the channel because people who are really into the thing often find the thing. Yeah, That's how it yep. typically, yeah. typically works. Like, You cannot convince somebody who loves something to just stumble upon your. Your show. They don't rain. That's not how people work. They're only going to follow the things they care most about.
0: Yeah. I mean, word of mouth, it's like one of the most powerful things and making sure those initial customers are happy. So I think if we were to let like summarize this whole conversation, it's really to kind of niche down, build the thing for your ideal customer prospect, thinking about them and making sure what you actually give them is so good. People are going to talk about it and spread the word because right now it's so easy to get in this like big picture thinking, I'm going to go get a billion views on TikTok. I'm going to go to the Super Bowl commercial. But instead, how can you like focus on like, what is the actual goal of this media channel, podcast, whatever it may be, start with that goal and build around that micro audience and then expand from there or let word of mouth also expand it for you. Yeah,
1: I think word of mouth, the big challenges it takes to... Well, I won't say it takes time. time. You, it's out of your control, I would say. Because definitely some things like get super popular extremely quickly. Um, yep. Remember, it used to be like Dropbox figured it out. Like, hey, if you just refer a friend, you'll expand. But that stopped working because mm-hmm. everyone then started referring a friend. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it's like, oh, they still have to really, really, really like your service. Like a ton. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> yep. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. They have to love the product, love your service, whatever it may yeah. be. So. Yeah, back to the basics. That's all this. This whole episode is like back to the basics. You got to have a good product and then building for your customers. And
1: then, Who knew? And then I would say because channels are getting more expensive, meaning it's more expensive to be on
0: yeah.
1: TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. It doesn't matter where you are, it's more expensive. Mm-hmm. You're either your options are A, partner or sponsor with someone that's like hyper focused and dedicated to exactly your customer base, or B, mm-hmm. you create it yourself. Much harder to, easy to say, hard to do, but going back full circle that's what red bull has done they like, we'll just make it ourselves <laughs> like we yep. like that yeah. that's, that's what they said
0: make it yourself or work with someone who's great there you go so with that we better get back to work on working on all of our media channels with that said, so
1: you're welcome to join us at mission.org where you'd love to bring your story to life